Welcome to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is... John Van Trieste. And the destination... The early 20th century. Photography came to Taiwan in the 19th century. As early as 1869, American St. Julian H. Edwards had begun to document a range of Taiwanese landscapes. During this period, in the final decades of imperial Chinese rule over Taiwan, it was outsiders like Edwards who took pictures of the island. They came with heavy carts of equipment and early techniques, including one process that required the use of egg whites. In the early 20th century, though, Taiwanese people, too, began to take up cameras, turning their lenses to the Taiwan they saw. Their medium of choice was called dry glass plate photography. An ongoing exhibit at the National Taiwan Museum called The Mirror of Time takes a look at work by nine of these early photographers. All were active in Taiwan during the early 20th century, and all left their mark with the same dry glass plate process. All but one were Taiwanese. The works span from 1905 to 1949 and are paired in the exhibit with some of the photographer's personal belongings and equipment. Over the next two weeks, we'll hear from exhibit curator Zhang Chang Song about the photos in this exhibit, the lives of the people who took them, and the long struggle to protect photos like these. The medium at the center of this exhibit, dry glass plate photography, first appeared in 1871. But its arrival in this corner of the world took a long time. First, it went to Japan, then a growing power that colonized Taiwan in 1895. The new colony attracted people with cameras, people like the Japanese ethnographer Tori Yuzo, in 1896, he was appointed to do fieldwork among Taiwan's indigenous peoples. Not wanting to be limited to the old fieldwork technique of sketching what he saw, Tori Yuzo bought a camera apparatus before setting off to Taiwan, learning at the same time how to take photos with the dry plate technique. Mr. Zhang explains that earlier glass plate techniques had forced photographers to rush, they had to complete and develop everything before a photosensitive material on their plates dried up. The newer dry plate technique didn't have this problem. During several trips to Taiwan, the ethnographer Tori Duzo would take close to 800 images of the indigenous people he met. He was the first to bring the dry plate process to Taiwan. But he wasn't alone. In the years after colonization, a group of Japanese war correspondents who'd come to Taiwan with the Japanese military stayed and set up shop. They set up studios here. Local Taiwanese people would apprentice at these studios, and in later decades would even travel to Japan proper to further their studies after the opening of the Tokyo Photography Academy. The photographers featured in this exhibit came from several walks of life. As you might imagine, most did make their living from photography. But there were also doctors with artistic interests, yet another Japanese ethnographer, and the owner of a camera equipment shop. The earliest photos presented here are by the entrepreneur Lin Cao, 
founder of a chain photography studio. Lin would also come to own many other kinds of businesses too. But before his career took off, he was just a young man taken under the wing of Japanese military photographer Hagino Morimoto. After Lin had been his apprentice for several years, Morimoto returned to Japan and handed Lin his studio. Lin's turn-of-the-century photos show a Taiwan still newly colonized. A large collection of portraits focus on the elite Wu Feng Lin family. They show a world of traditional dress, Chinese opera, and imperial-era architecture. One interesting feature of these photos, taken between 1905 and 1910, is that they also make sure to include close-ups of laborers and maids. A sign Mr. Zhang says shows that the household cared about even its most humble members. Dr. Zhang Qingyan, the second photographer, was of more or less the same generation. But his works here from the 1920s show a world of changed dress and manners. They focus on the Jiayi area of southern Taiwan, where he practiced medicine. There's a lot of fun and innocence in these photos. He captures festivals and children at play during summer holidays. He even gets a diver plunging gracefully into a swimming pool. He photographed his wife, the local hospital, and Jiayi Central Fountain. And like other photographers from his area, he even went into Jiayi's mountains, documenting logging operations on the mountain called Ali Shan. His work also included stereoscopic photos, rare for the era. Our third photographer, Zhang Chaomu, was left with permanent damage to his left eye after a childhood accident. He lived out his life with a prosthetic. But maintained a strong artistic vision. Growing up in a family with a strong Confucian background left him with an interest in traditional culture, and this gets reflected in his photos. But he was also interested in using good photographic technique to capture this culture. And in 1925, he headed to Japan to study at the Tokyo Photography Academy. Eventually, he'd open his own studio back in Taiwan. A series he did around 1932 captures the subtle poses of Nanguan opera performers, while also documenting their elaborate costumes and makeup. In 1935, Zhang's hometown was hit by one of the most destructive earthquakes in Taiwan's history. Though much of his property was destroyed, he survived to take another series of photos the following year. This series shows a major religious festival and showcases Taiwan's elaborate temple architecture. Like Tori Duzo before him, our fourth photographer Miyamoto Nobuto came to Taiwan with a camera to document its indigenous people. Among his photos are village landscapes, individual portraits, and a few pictures in which he had the people from the villages he visited line up in profile, from the Zhou and Sidik groups of the mountains to the coastal Amis and the Dau people of Orchid Island. Miyamoto photographed indigenous people from all over Taiwan. For me, one of the most arresting pictures in this exhibit is one of his. In 1931, he photographed three Atayal villagers in the mountains of Taoyuan. The oldest man stands on the right, and from the caption, it looks like he may be the local chief. He's barefoot and wears traditional clothing. On the left stands another younger man, 
this one in Japanese clogs and a military-looking uniform. Both he and the older man on the right have traditional facial tattoos. In between them stands a child in a cotton undershirt. Since facial tattooing came to be banned, it's likely this child never got one, and it's also likely he had few chances to dress in traditional clothing like the chieftain on the right. Finally, for today, a look at the fifth photographer, Pang Ruilin. Pong started out as a watercolorist who studied under Ishikawa Kinichiro, the Japanese father of Taiwan's modern art movement. Pong would also go on to study at the Tokyo Photography Academy. Many of his photos in this exhibit show his partner and his friends, but his artistic side comes out especially strong in a photo of women from the Taroko indigenous group. This photo, taken in 1934, features two women facing to the left. One with a baby on her back. There are two versions: one a plain photo, and one done in pure gold lacquer. This photo was one work selected by the Osaka Daily News for a photo exhibition. Though colonial subjects, Taiwan's early photographers could still get recognition. Next week, Mr. Zhang will be back to tell us about the remaining photographers featured in this exhibit. But he'll also tell us about the hard work done to keep some of the plates safe from air raids, resource recycling, and the ravages of time and climate. He'll talk about the surprise rediscovery of one batch of photographs and his hope that the race to preserve glass plates like these can be won. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time.